Accidental Safety Council Congress and Expo. I'm Jill James with the Accidental Safety Pro, and we are recording live podcast sessions this week while we're here at the Expo. And my guest today is Regina McMichael with The Learning Factory. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So you know that um, the Accidental Safety Pro podcast is all about safety professionals like you and I telling our story about how did we accidentally fall into this profession because so many of us simply did. And it sounds like you have a pretty compelling story about how literally an accident. So do you mind sharing with our audience? Not at how all. did you become a safety professional? I, uh, I was 20 years old and I was young and recently married and had been in love with, uh, with this young man since I was 10 years old hmm. and waited till I got old enough to be interesting. And finally we started our relationship, got married and he worked for a residential contractor and he did roofing and I got into safety the day he died. Wow. So he fell from a roof, 25 feet, 11 inches. Wow. And uh, we were just regular people living regular lives, and suddenly I was thrown into this world that I didn't understand. I couldn't figure out why he died. Yeah. And so I... My goal to try to understand that mm-hmm. I, I learned OSHA regs. I participated in the investigation. I demanded data from the agency. I demanded data from workers' comp commissions, autopsies, everything. How old were you? Twenty. 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 <laughs> That's a lot of kahunas for a twenty-year-old in grief. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was. Um, I didn't know yet who I was going to be mm-hmm. as a human, as a person. Yeah. And um, and I didn't know that the things I was doing at that time and the the strength I was showing, mm-hmm. which I didn't know I was, mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was a part of, of who I was as a poor individual. Yeah. And, and, and still wonder. Yeah. <laughs> We're all learning. We're all continuing to learn. It, it, and it's, 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 for me, it was like, I just I had to find a reason for why he died. Yeah. Because he wasn't a rock star. He didn't die in a plane crash. He was just a regular person. Yeah. He had served in the military. He'd been a, a wild boy when he was young. Mm-hmm. You know, survived mm-hmm. some interesting things, and it was like, why did he, why did he die? Yeah. And so, how long had he been on the job? He had worked construction on and off through his his teen years, and then after the military. And mm-hmm. so, with that particular company, probably less than a year. Yeah. You know, construction mm-hmm. in the yes. eighties, nineteen eighty six. Sure. So um, when he when he fell and when he died, and when I was starting to investigate it and learn what was happening, the regulations, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was interesting because. That that's when I started to find out that there wasn't any protection. There wasn't any anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it wasn't just a lack of regs. It was a lack of complete and utter regard. Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, nobody was doing it. I didn't have any blame for the people that he worked for. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't like I could drive down the street and see anybody else sure. protecting their workers. Not a known entity. No. Yeah. No. And so I um, I was uh, my mother. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to go to college. You need to go to college. Yeah. Take the workers' comp money and go to college. And the workers' comp experience was uh, was mm. pretty ugly. Um, it, it's not always pretty now, but in 1986, yeah. it was. What, what was it like? I mean, they have an assigned dollar amount. I mean, isn't that sad to say? Yeah. An assigned dollar amount for the death of a family member. I wish it was that simple. Okay. Um, they literally uh, denied the claim oh. and tried to blame him, mm-hmm. as if that's relevant in right. any state. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they gave it a shot, mm-hmm. and, and I remember... Um, I remember talking to my attorney, and he's like, oh, that's just where we start. 
And I'm like, why why would anybody treat anyone like that? Yeah. And, yeah. and start there. Yeah. And uh, so I actually settled for much less than what the law allowed. But mm -hmm. it was a conscious decision because um, the angst, the hate, yeah. the, the uh, not wanting to stay in a place of grief. Yeah. You know, I went to grief counseling and like did five steps. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to work through those really quickly because this kind of sucks. I don't like it. Right. Don't stay here any longer. Right, right. And and I actually I actually thought I could will myself through it. <laughs> at, tw at twenty that, right? at twenty maybe we think we can will ourselves through grief, but although that's probably something that many people continue to experience. Well, yeah. and, I, and I think I think there's something to be said for that. Mm -hmm. um, a choice to not stay in a place. Yeah. And, and so I made those choices that I didn't want to stay in that really mm -hmm. ugly, depressing place. Mm -hmm. And so with uh, with a small amount of money in my hand, mm -hmm. I, I stumble off to community college. Okay. And uh, and there I was walking down the hallway mm -hmm. and on the bulletin board was this piece of paper mm -hmm. talking about a safety academic program. Oh my and I'm like, wait, what? What? What is? What just happened here? And it was, it was amazing. And so this is brochure, and it had like the course listings in it. Mm -hmm. And and so this is like 1987 now. Mm -hmm. And so it's got the little pieces of paper at the bottom that you're supposed to rip off yes, the phone. Yes, yes, I remember. <laughs> but I'm holding the brochure, and I realize this is my destiny. Wow. And so I, I look to my left, and then I look to my right, uh -huh. and then I stole the whole thing. <laughs> I would have totally done the same. Totally done the same. So did did you feel in that moment like I'm going to avenge this, what had happened, and and write write the right things? Yes. Yeah. From the very beginning, yeah. I felt um, a necessity to um, try to write the balance. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know what that meant very, very early on. Sure. But um, through my, my college time and then very early on in my career, mm -hmm. um, and, it's, and it's interesting because I talk about this in the keynote that mm -hmm. I, I speak to people about, mm -hmm. um, I, I literally thought I was supposed to save one life, that that one life is supposed to trade for the life sure. that's learned. And sure. that, that balance, that somehow that would explain why he died because mm -hmm. I had something I was supposed to do. Right. And so then it would make It'd be sense. mission mission accomplished. Exactly. Yeah. And then I would be able to breathe that he mm -hmm. didn't die for any for no reason at all. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the problem is, as you have probably experienced, mm -hmm. and as most safety professionals that I talk to, it's almost impossible yeah. to to leave the end of the day, to leave your career and, and say, I saved a life today. I'm positive of it. Yeah. Right. Because we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> we don't Police know. Police officers get to know, firefighters, doctors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But safety professionals, yeah. we just walk around hoping... Hoping it, hoping today, hoping today it matters, <laughs> right? Hoping someone just says thanks. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? And and hopefully we've saved thousands and thousands of lives in our so. work. I, I think, think so, so, too. So righted it many times over. And, mm -hmm. and I figured out, for me, mm -hmm. once I started training, how much I love to train, how much I love to connect with people. Yeah that I realized that me trying to save one person, me trying to directly impact you, yeah. was way too small. Yep. But if I could train people and then mm -hmm. they could then go out mm -hmm. and impact... Fishing, that whole fishing analogy. Yes. Teach them to fish and they'll do it. Yes. yes. And I thought, okay, so yeah. I won't find out if I helped. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. you know, once I matured through my career... I kind of have to give that up. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's interesting that we're talking about this because this is probably the first public recording hmm. of, of this conversation. Wow. I have 
so many people in the 30 years I've been in the industry mm -hmm. who come up and they're like, I didn't know any of this. Wow. And what I, an honor. Thank, yeah, what an honor to have the story told here. So the community college, you're at the community college, you start your courses, you finish it. Yep. What's Two the years and 10 months. Okay. Congratulations. <laughs> well done. <laughs> What's the first job? Like, what did you decide to do? So I went to work for the highway department for the state of Virginia. That's funny. That was my first safety job. Too. I know. When I that, I thought that was really cool. Actually. Okay. State of Virginia. Yep. All right. And oh my gosh, to work with people and to spend time with people mm -hmm. and to train them mm -hmm. um, was so awesome. My first training was probably three days into the job. Wow. I was handled. Totally and, green. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Useless. Uh -huh. And I was handed a carousel of slides. <laughs> uh, H check. Yeah. H check uh -huh. there. And um, uh -huh. so I, I, and it's on backing safety and I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like heavy equipment and backing it up. <laughs> you know, and they're I'm like, 23 years people. old. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And they're like, well, why would you uh -huh. back over somebody? Who would do that? Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's a thing. And yeah, it's like, a okay. thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So I, I learned as I taught. Yeah. Uh, but combined space training and, and there was an incident where um, I was in the confined space with my people and we lost touch with oh, wow. above. Wow. And, you know, I come out and my, my guy topside is just covered in sweat, shaking. And he goes, I just canceled the 911 call. Oh. And he goes, because you taught me, I can't go in. Yeah. Oh, man. He's like, you Listen. said I couldn't go uh -huh. in. He goes, I thought you guys were down. Yeah. I couldn't go in. Yeah. I'm like, you did right, man. That's exactly it. And it was like, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's, it worked. The yeah. training worked. That was powerful stuff. <laughs> and you're 20-some years old. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I did that. Wow. And so how did you... As a as a twenty some year old female, I've been in your position also at the highway department. What do you do to build street cred? Because it's a thing when you're young and female and you just got out of school and you don't know how to back up the actual truck. <laughs> when you're looking at the sides, going, "What does this one say?" Yeah, <laughs> this, is a, this is a nice picture. What does it uh -huh. mean? Um, you know, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think I think I could look back and say I think I did these things, yeah. but at the time I think it was just about having my heart in the right place. Yeah. I really did care about these people. Yeah. Um, we had an incident where um, one of our vehicles was hit by a tractor trailer on a major um, the major hmm. interchange right outside of Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. And and I remember um, I had shot first day CPR all day long, and I had gone to the site because mm -hmm. I had to pass it to get home anyway. And it was awesome having lights in your car because. You got to pass all the traffic and so I get to the vehicle and it is demolished it is horrible but my guys my, my guys one man one woman they weren't in the truck and the reason they weren't in the truck was because one of the signs on the side of the road had fallen down and you know you know how they always made the jokes about the guys who work for the highway department you know what it what's, takes two it takes two three four right. people one shovel yeah yep. right or what's orange and sleep six yeah uh -huh. truck yeah 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 <laughs> and they instead of ignoring something that was a, a hazard to the public they, they turned around and walked back and did the right thing wow. and that's when the tractor trailer hit their vehicle and they would have been in the vehicle had they not done the right thing wow. and when I 
Sada. Mm-hmm. I just lost. Yeah, right. I Here just, they I are. Falling my eyes yeah. out, and I'm like, "You're the most beautiful." I did my world. job. I did my job, and you did your job. I know. It's like you know, that's the whole test of safety professionals, right? We that they're going to perform the way we want them to perform when nobody's looking. Yeah. And so you did your job, and yep. they did theirs. How wonderful is that? It is. Wow. So how long were you at transportation, and then what happened next? What what launched the next phase? So I did that for about 14 months. Okay. Um, but uh, just you know the. I've always kind of let the universe give me some push. Same. And mm-hmm. so so there I was, mm-hmm. and this opportunity presented itself mm-hmm. to join the Associated General Contractors of America, oh, okay. the largest construction trade association yeah. uh, for, for general contracting mm-hmm. in uh, in the U.S. Yeah. And so there I was heading off to a job with a suit and heels and, you know, leaving very Very different. Yes, very different than steel toes Apparently you left behind. Apparently were making bets on how long I could make it. Because... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, you had to leave your boots behind. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I had an amazing boss. He was mm-hmm. an amazing mentor, Pete Cheney. And mm-hmm. um, Pete mm-hmm. uh, taught me another side of safety I hadn't mm-hmm. seen. We got to develop product. We got to develop mm-hmm. training. We made videos. And all of a sure. sudden, I'm like, this is, you know, this is a broad reach. Different part of my career. Yeah. And I got to work with some of the leading safety people in construction safety. I mean, some of the top people. And yeah. I, didn't even, I didn't even know then what I was with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not until years later that I look back and I'm oh, going, wow, ACG a, was kind of a big thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And my mentor is, you know, past president of ASSP, past board member of the BCSP, mm-hmm. you know, fellow, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so hmm. I was so lucky to have this amazing opportunity and this exposure to know these really great minds yeah. and these people who were saving a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. And then I um, got recruited okay. uh, by, of all organizations, the National Association of Home Builders. Whoa. Yeah. That was the universe again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And during the interview, I mm-hmm. said to my potential boss, I said, I need to tell you something before you hire me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and what happened what happened after you said after you said that? He was like, um, whoa. And let's not talk about it a lot. And I said, uh-huh. actually, I don't talk about it at all. So you're uh-huh. good to go. But it was, um, because I wasn't ready to tell my story. Yeah. I didn't start to tell this story for 28 years. Yeah. I believe it. And mm-hmm. not because it was a secret. It just, um, I wanted people to judge who I was as a safety professional yeah. by the work that I was doing, mm-hmm. not the mm-hmm. received. Mm-hmm. You knew, you package. knew in your heart why you got into it. You so went to the home building. Oh, that I hadn't been talking to people about it, that um, I wanted to be judged by the performance in my world. Mm-hmm. And so what did you do in that job? Like what was what was the role that you were filling in in that one? It's almost like Is there more irony yeah. that goes it's with this? Like you know my story. Uh-huh. I don't. I I've never heard it before. That's so crazy. Uh-huh. Is, um, so uh, the reason they brought me in was because they needed someone. I was the first full-time safety person they had and, wow. and the NAHB was actually a larger, much, much larger trade association mm-hmm. than the AGC. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they represented so many small businesses mm-hmm. around the world. I mean Home building Americana doesn't get any more than yeah, that. Right. And um, the reason they needed someone full time was because there was a regulation under development that I had been involved with at AGC. Okay. But it was they needed someone to dedicate themselves to it full time, and they recruited to bring me in. And that regulation was fall well, protection. Fall protection. Wow. Was it the residential fall protection it piece? Was the residential. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I only know this because I remember as an OSHA investigator at the time when that happened. Yes. And then having to having to learn what the resi- what the regulation difference. <laughs> 
differences were and how, and how insanely different they were and this little checklist that I had of if it's this scenario then this and if it's this scenario then and that I and so you helped develop that yep that is fabulous so wow and then, uh, yeah and then we had a, an interpretation that came out I helped mm-hmm. write that mm-hmm. and uh, developed a bunch of products and mm-hmm. um, yeah it was amazing wow and what did that yeah what did that feel like um, you know how the whole like little you know the devil and the angel on your yeah. shoulder kind of like thing mm-hmm. or whatever but mm-hmm. one of the things that was particularly hard for me was as the agency was putting together some pretty stout language mm-hmm. uh, and fairly so people were dying I get yep. that you know mm-hmm. uh, when you look at statistics from 1986 yeah. one of those numbers is my husband yeah. so I, I got all of that yeah. but I also got that if I wasn't going to be able to convince Kevin my husband to tie off to the roof mm-hmm. then he wasn't going to tie off to the roof yeah. mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have saved his life yeah. so we had a regulation with the best of intention but it wasn't going to save anyone's life mm-hmm. and so which is why NAHP at the time put a lot of political pressure to develop a, set of, a special interpretation sure. and, it, and it gave the industry some time to catch up yeah. did they do it and adequately? Some, and some options yes yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, was it enough at the time, whatever? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, they still waited around way too long. Right. Going out and citing a whole bunch of people and it not making anyone better mm-hmm. isn't helping either. Mm-hmm. We needed something that did all yeah. those things. Step them in. Mm-hmm. So, but just mm-hmm. to add to the, the craziness of the story. Yeah. Uh, so there we are in, at the time, Assistant Secretary Joe Deere's office mm-hmm. for the signing ceremony of the mm-hmm. regulation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd love to say how important you feel going to a signing ceremony, but really we all wanted to be there just so we could get an advanced copy of the reg and find out what the implementation what, does. What the heck is in here? <laughs> yeah, how long do I have? I remember I remember Joe Deere's signature on so many of the OSHA documents that I was using as guidance documents yep. at the time. So, he yes, awesome I saw person. that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I say that with all my heart. He was yeah. an awesome, awesome leader, mm-hmm. and I think he did a lot for the agency. Yeah. Uh, and so there we were in, in the signing ceremony, and they start passing out advanced copies of the reg, and it's like two days before it'll get published in the Federal Register. Uh-huh. And I flip it open, and I scan to the implementation date, and it is nine years to the day. Whoa. Whoa! Whoa! February that, 6th. that is awesome. So that's awesome. I'm looking, I'm looking at my boss at the time, and I'm like, "Do you see this?" He goes, "I don't." Get how many it. years? How many years later had was that? Nine years to the day. Nine years. Nine oh, years you had just said that. Yeah. So nine wow. years. It clicked in. Oh man. Yep. Who was the first person you told that to? Did you call his mom or like what do you? What do you do? It, it was my boss. Because okay. He was standing right next to me, and I'm like holding the date and pointing yeah. at it. And he's like, "Why are you in so uh-huh. insane? We got 90 days. We can work with that." And I'm like, yeah. "No, it's the date." Wow. I'm like, out of all the days in the yeah. year, yeah, 365 to choose mm-hmm. from, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. it's that one. Wow. Yeah. What a story. And Did, are you, you immediately another one? Yes. Yes. I love I love <laughs> irony. I love irony and um, the universe coming together. I do too. Because <laughs> I'm um, still picturing you. Like taking the poster off the wall in the community college, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. and then nine years later, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so our wedding anniversary hmm. is um, April twenty eighth. Okay, work for Memorial Day. Oh wow, yeah, you're in the right field. Yeah, yeah, you're in the right field. That's pretty went amazing. A time after my son was born, mm-hmm. where I thought maybe I needed to leave the industry, that I wasn't mm-hmm. on my on my right track. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's interesting because that's when I learned that so many professionals. Struggle 
struggle to yeah. stay in the industry. Yes. To feel relevant, to feel like yes. we're helping. We're always reinventing ourselves. And, and I, think, mm-hmm. I think it's the people that are truly successful are the ones that struggle mm-hmm. with those things so they mm-hmm. can reinvent themselves. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's the struggle. And when you start feeling it, and then you know, okay, is it time for me to move on to a new chapter? Or do I need to reinvent kind of where I'm at and take a new trajectory to your, to your path? Absolutely. So AGC, this is all happening. Did you stick around there for a while? And like, I, what's next? So did home builders for almost five years, I think. Okay. And then I left to start a consulting business. Mm-hmm. And uh, in part uh, through some uh, government grant work. Mm-hmm. So I was training home builders all across the country. Mm-hmm. And you know, trying to get them to use fall protection. Yeah. Trying to get them to, yeah. trying to actually own a extension cord with a ground plug on it. <laughs> <laughs> or at least plug it into a, into GFCI, a, gra- a GFCI. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a portable one. Use this. Yeah. But the, I mean, uh-huh. the best part about it was, you know, that was that was five years of hostile audiences. Yeah. That was honing my skill as a trainer, mm-hmm. uh, as an influencer to people who didn't understand because they're like, how can we do this all? And it's like, yeah. can you do anything? Yeah. Could you do one thing today, one thing yeah. tomorrow? I'm like, don't, don't yeah. look at it in total because it's too overwhelming. Yeah. I'm like, try to figure out what's right yeah. and so do what's right. Talk about hostile audiences. I know, I know what you mean when you say that, but for anyone who's doing training or is in front of audiences right now, whether it's on big stages like you do now or around the world like you do now, or someone who's just in front of a room full of people in their company, there's something to be said for your audience and the life that it brings or the life that it doesn't bring. And, mm-hmm. and so when you say hostile audience, maybe describe that. How, how, do you work, how do you work through that as a, as a trainer? And then flip it around to when you have one that gives you life. Because <laughs> those are fun. I, I taught, I, I actually, when I teach, I teach about class culture. Mm-hmm. And that um, as the trainer, as the facilitator, that we have a responsibility to build that culture even if you walk into a hostile room, hostile yeah. being 30 people don't want to be there. Yeah. It's another OSHA training class. Yeah. Perhaps it's even punishment for an accident mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or, you know, something that's happened mm-hmm. or, you know, somebody had mm-hmm. a near miss and so they're all getting retrained on ladders, even though mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that may or may not be the issue. You're right. And may not, uh, may not be the solution. And so, um, so that hostile audience are the guys that are forced to be there. And I'm from the East Coast, so I say guys for everything. Yeah. I, should, I should probably preface that. Um, uh, but uh, guys means people for the purposes of this podcast. That's it. Yeah. Okay. That's it. I, you know, obviously, yeah. two women sitting here. We're definitely equal. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but I. You know, I feel like it's our job as the professionals, and particularly as trainers, mm-hmm. that we have to turn it around. We have to get the passion inside them. We've got to get them to appreciate the person standing next to them. Yeah. We've got to get them to remember that it can happen. Yeah. And and that's what was interesting about the bulk of my career is I never said, and let me tell you why this matters, because it does happen to regular guys just like mm-hmm. you, it happened to my husband. Mm-hmm. I never I never pulled that card. Yeah. I always felt like it was my job to get them there without Without that, yeah. And um, so, yeah, I had, you know, I had the signature at the bottom of the form that mm. said, um, I can learn nothing from a woman. <laughs> I've, I've experienced those audiences. And I'm like, guess what you can learn? You can learn that I'm going to rip this up uh-huh. and no client will ever see it. That's what uh-huh. you're going to learn from a uh-huh. woman today. Uh-huh. Like, do you actually think I'm going to turn that into somebody? Uh-huh. So it kind of cracked me up. Uh-huh. But, you know, it, it's... You're not going to get everybody. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get 100% right. believers. Right. But if I can get four guys in the front of the room with their arms crossed in front of them. Angry, to relax. Yeah. yeah. And then uh-huh. actually start Lean to be, in. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Right. I'll take that. Right. And, um, and right. so 
and that was a lot of it was I was like I, I just tried to get them to do little pieces mm -hmm. and for, for hardcore compliance people yeah they would have difficulty with my approach sure because um, because I wasn't about you have to be perfect right because I felt like you know can we try yeah. perfect tomorrow yeah. today could we just not kill you yeah it's it's the uh, don't be a safety cop kind of thing yes. and I think that many of us in this profession have been safety cop when you didn't know what else to do yes. or how to, or until you honed your skill enough to figure out there's a business gray and how to ride that mm -hmm. and then how to move move the needle <laughs> toward the direction you want to um, knowing that you're not going to get 100% right from the first time but it takes confidence it you does need, you need yeah. a great mentor to, yeah. to help you you know be able to say I didn't get 100 and, and say nobody gets 100 yeah. let's yeah. Let's, just, let's start in the right direction yeah and some days training in front of audiences just isn't going to go well mm -hmm. it's not going to be out of the park every single time <laughs> it's really a bummer because you go into it hoping it will but sometimes audiences are flat sometimes you're flat so anybody who's doing training um, should certainly know that don't don't think it's a failure because this happens and it's cyclical and it happens I'm sure it still happens to you happens to me and we never know well which which audience it's going to be and which day it's going to be when you get the good one. Oh, it's awesome oh, and you live so on awesome. it for a long time you do at least us feed. extroverts do <laughs> you have to feed on it yeah and you, you have do. to accept that this yeah. is all you got i was mm -hmm. i was unnamed country unnamed city don't want to offend anybody but mm -hmm. i was in a nordic country mm -hmm. and it was crashing and burning and mm -hmm. this was in a 20 country tour mm -hmm. and i had worked in countries where it wasn't supposed to be effective and it was awesome mm -hmm. and then here i was in this crash and burn situation mm -hmm. and this gentleman comes to me during break and he just looks at me and he says, some people don't have ears. Okay. And I was, oh. I was like, is oh. this a translation thing? What, what, what? <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? And, and basically it was some people don't want to hear. They don't have ears to hear what you say. Yeah. And, it, and that was hmm. such a relief because I went back in the room and I focused on the people who had ears. Yeah. And I taught them the best I could. Yeah. And I tried to impact their lives the best way I could. Yeah. And I stopped worrying about the people who didn't have ears. Yeah. Because you know how they can yes. they can control you? Yes. And you're so, trying so you're hard to get to them. To get them. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. So yeah. it's like, no, I'm going to focus yeah. on the people who have ears. Yeah. So that's been really helpful yeah. for me. Just to, you know, if it's crashing and burning, if you got three people that care, let those three focus people, on them. Yeah. yeah. Because right. They're there. Right. Right. They, they, they matter. Yeah. Too. And there's something about knowing your audience as well and taking just a little bit of time before you get going and trying to figure out like, why are those people with their arms crossed? What is going on here? I remember uh, specifically, I was doing some training. I don't remember what I was training on. Might've been the OSHA 10 hour or something. And, um, and the room was full of scientists, but I didn't know that there was a room full of scientists until maybe an hour or two into the thing. And they were just like, not engaged at all and I'm like oh there's scientists and I'm using a different level of vernacular mm -hmm. so when I started talking about heat stress and I started talking about use a sling psychrometer all their eyes lit up like oh she's talking about something technical and then they're like what is that how does it work how does it measure relative humidity and they wanted to know all of it and it was a win for the rest of the time but I didn't you know I didn't do my homework to find out who is my audience and who should I bring you know which level of vernacular do I need to bring for that audience that is so critical that I when I I do a lot of train the trainer mm -hmm. and that's such a critical thing that people just think that they can just go up there and be awesome mm -hmm. or just go up there and be technical capable mm -hmm. 
and it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, one of the things I've really tried to teach trainers is that the moment you're ready to acknowledge that the one hour or the eight hours that you have those people, mm-hmm. that it is all about them and not about, about you, you yeah. not even a little bit, yeah. as soon as it's all about them, yeah. the class will go so much better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what a so great tip. It, what a great tip. It, and it's so simple mm-hmm. and it's so free. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I, I just, mm-hmm. I'm like, get over yourself. Don't, don't try to mm-hmm. over them, over impress a bunch of scientists with too much info. Cause that, that would, if you'd known too much, uh-huh. that's the alternative. If then, then it would have been too many questions. I would have been out of my wheelhouse really quickly <laughs> and they would have known the emperor had no clothes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's taking the time mm-hmm. to learn, um, being ready to be authentic. Mm-hmm. I think that's really critical. Yeah. People are afraid to be themselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I try to mm-hmm. teach people mm-hmm. is just mm-hmm. be authentic. Mm-hmm. And then when they ask you something you don't know, you know, don't try to figure it out at the moment. Mm-hmm. Take it during lunch, get back to them later, whatever it is. Right, um, right. We know that rule. We, you know? we do. You don't have to, don't, don't feel like you have to know the answer immediately. I think that's something else that you grow into yep. in any profession, uh, particularly in ours, that you don't have to feel that, oh my gosh, somebody asked me a question. I've got to know it right now. Yep. You know, don't make anything up. I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. And you work your network then or your resources. I'm sure in your career you've got to show me where that is. Yes, always, always, always. Like digging through the regulation book trying to find. And, and you can never do it under, under, <laughs> under pressure. pressure. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm going to hang up. Give me five minutes. Uh-huh. Me and then I'll find it. Yeah. Then I'll find it. So you've had your own consulting company, The Learning Factory, for how long now? Well, that's actually the second consulting company I've had. Oh, wow. So okay. A, a place in between. Okay. Um, as crazy and as... Um, unsatisfying as my workers' compensation interaction career, or interaction in the early part of my my, my safety existence was, I ended up joining an insurance carrier for Mm. for seven years. Okay. And um, it was was really great, and that's where I honed my training skills. They actually uh, invested in me learning more. Mm -hmm. I figured out a lot of the things that I did as a trainer had a name. Mm -hmm. It was part of instructional systems design. It was an actual thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I I wasn't just getting good at what I was doing because I was lucky I actually was kind of figuring out things Mm -hmm. and so when I started getting formalized education and training design and development Mm -hmm. I was like well they have a name for that (laughs) I've been doing that for years yeah Uh I just just thought Uh that was fun Uh and it's a thing (laughs) it's a thing so um so that helped me a lot Mm -hmm. and and then that's when it occurred to me that the industry in general we're in an extraordinary disadvantage we are we are forced to think of training as as almost an extra part of our job. Yeah. You know, like you have your full time job, and then oh, you're technically competent, therefore you should be able to train. Mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. be awesome and make everybody really really smart. Mm-hmm. And you have no extra time to do it. You have no skills as a trainer. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so. I, I, I tell some of the people I work with that if I want to be overly dramatic, and I do, mm-hmm. that bad training really could kill. Mm-hmm. It really could. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we slam a bunch of unnecessary information into people's yeah. heads. Yeah. You know, we get so caught up on, on structure yeah. and on, on the regulatory structure. And it sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher in yes. their ear. Yeah. And then they go out and they do something unsafe, and mm-hmm. we, we call them ugly names, and we want to blame them. Blame the victim, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Really, did we do the best we could right. do as the profession mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to get that knowledge into their head? Yeah. And so it's become kind of my personal, you know, uh, uh, goal, my my my, mm-hmm. my effort to get the industry moving forward right. on great training. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I'm a big believer in the the BCSP's Certified Environmental Safety and Health Trainer certification mm-hmm. because I think that's one more step mm-hmm. in legitimizing. Mm-hmm. 
who we are mm-hmm. as a profession. Yeah. How do we explain to our bosses that we need extra time, we need extra money, we need yeah. extra people yeah. if we're not ready to legitimize the work as real work? So take take just a second to explain that program. So if people are listening are like, oh, there's an actual place you can go for help in our profession for training. Explain what that is for a second. Or so we're they... certified safety professionals, mm-hmm. the BCSP, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm an ambassador for. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Disclaim now. Nicely done. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaim now. But um, so they took on uh, a certification mm-hmm. uh, several years ago, and um, that's the Certified Environmental Safety and Health Training Certification. Okay. And um, what's interesting about it, though, is that a lot of people have some misunderstanding. So taking the test doesn't make you a better trainer. It's preparing for the test that makes you a better trainer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and that's where you're going to learn training theory. Okay. That's where you're going to learn instructional design. That's mm-hmm. where you're going to learn all of that stuff. So people mm-hmm. come up to me and they go, I've been training for 20 years. Can I pass the test? And so I'll say, I'm going to say 10 different terms to uh-huh. you. Do you know what they are? Yeah. yeah. And uh-huh. if they resonate, go for it. Uh-huh. You know, and then I'll start throwing some things out mm-hmm. and they're like, I have no idea what those things are. And I uh-huh. said, let me help you with the right resources so you can move in that direction. It's actually a thing. Yeah, it's uh, a thing. Knowledge transfer and how you do it with adults yes. is a thing. It's yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I learned, and there's a science to it. When I learned adult learning principles, I was like, oh my gosh. Uh-huh. That, that was huge for me to, mm-hmm. to uncover Malcolm Knowles and all of that mm-hmm. stuff and mm-hmm. you know, geeking out here for a minute. But you get that. Good geeking. I yes. know, thank you. So, um, but, you know, yeah, so to suddenly go, I was just doing that because it worked one time and then it worked five times. Mm-hmm. And then I find out, no, that's real theory. Yeah. That's exactly how mm-hmm. we're supposed to behave as mm-hmm. facilitators and trainers. Mm-hmm. So that's been a big push for me is to try to get the industry, even if I can't get everybody certified, mm-hmm. if I can get people to at least acknowledge yeah. that training is real work, that it's yeah. hard, that mm-hmm. it takes mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. Or, or at least professional mm-hmm. development mm-hmm. to get you to that yeah. place. What a great tip for people listening. I think that's wonderful. So you stayed with Zurich for a while and mm-hmm. then you started the learning then I the learning learn. factory? Yes. Okay. So I finally did that. Okay. And it's really funny because everyone was like, you don't have safety in your name. And that was because my focus needed to be on the learning side. Yeah. And I didn't want to limit. It's not just safety training, although it's primarily safety mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so much about the train the trainer. Sure. And then a lot of my clients, after I work with them, they're like, can you do what you just did and not say safety and say something else? And I'm like, yeah. Sure. Actually, yeah. Can. yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your leadership training's awesome. We just want you to say quality instead of safety. Okay. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, those, those mm-hmm. concepts don't change. Mm-hmm. So right now I've got a client and um, it's a chemical manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm coming and doing an eight-hour program on communication skills mm-hmm. for their research and development department, which is almost exclusively PhD chemical engineers. Talk about bringing a different game. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, can you do that? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, this is going to be a fun challenge. It's going to be so much fun. Uh-huh. So I'm actually super excited about mm-hmm. it. But it's, it's, it's bringing that, that idea that you take the time to connect with people mm-hmm. and learn about them. Yeah. And, and yeah. then they walk out the door and yeah. they go, I'm better today than I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. I just blogged about this sort of theory last week. Um, I see you. I am here. You know, it's like having that intentional exchange with someone and really seeing people who they are instead of somebody that did something right or somebody that did something wrong. But we're seeing one another and having an authentic exchange we can have a real conversation about how do we learn? How do we, why do I care about you? Why do you care about learning this rather than barking out rules yep. and having an authentic um, exchange with one another? So you're here at the, at the expo yep. and you are training this week. Four times. Four times. 
<laughs> you are going to be so exhausted by Friday or Sunday or whenever you get to kick back. So tell the audience, what are you training on? And if they're, if someone's here at the expo and they want to um, get in on one of your classes, what are you, what are you talking about? So I'll actually be training on the expo floor tomorrow. Okay. I'll be doing a one hour safety training ninja program. Okay. A signature program. Okay. On, uh, how we can train better as professionals. Okay. Uh, then I'll be doing an eight hour program on safety training ninja on Thursday. Okay. So post conference. Okay. Uh, then I'll be doing getting a seat at the C suite on Wednesday. Interesting. And so that's geared towards safety professionals, and um, that was geared towards, I think, the self limiting behaviors of our profession. Not our fault. No one taught us, taught us otherwise. Yeah. But we've self limited with the silo of the moral imperative of safety. Mm-hmm. That's valuable. It's important. I'm all about it personally, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the moral imperative does not necessarily drive business. That's right. And so... How do you do both? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a cultural shift that we're it seeing is. in the industry. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. And, uh, and for me, uh, I think that one of the things I can do is share just my experiences of working with so many small businesses mm-hmm. throughout my career, mm-hmm. being able to teach them that, you know, if we can tie the safety initiative to profit, mm-hmm. to better behavior, to quality, to whatever mm-hmm. that company needs mm-hmm. on that day. Mm-hmm. We're with, yeah. Yes. It, yeah. We're in a much better place. And, but the siloing of like, you know, we're doing this and this is safety and we should do it this way. And I'm like, I, I get with a company. I'm like, oh, you're 5Sing. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, it's success. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, let's put another column on for safety. Safety, yeah. And they're like, well, don't we need another thing? And I'm like, don't you have enough things? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, I'm going to piggyback on something that's working. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a good consultant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm really okay. Yeah, we don't need to invent on. a new a new, yes. yeah, a new acronym. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so getting it to the seat of the C-suite is talking about how as safety professionals, if we're not reading annual reports of the companies we work for, it's yeah. on us. Right. You know, if we don't know how to communicate with um, the executive level because we don't understand them. We haven't taken the time to learn them. We don't understand the corporate culture at the executive mm-hmm. level. That's mm-hmm. on us. Yep. How to pitch? How to pitch an idea in a in a way that speaks to their decision making? Yeah. I yeah. need two million dollars to regard the machines. Oh, what's that going to do for me? Exactly. Where's my ROI? Exactly. Yeah. And then when they look at you, and they go, "What's ROI?" And you're like, "Okay, let's uh-huh. talk some more." Yeah. Right. But yeah. So mm-hmm. it's. I think for for me, um, connecting that side of it, mm-hmm. it goes back to my personal history. Despite the fact that there wasn't, you know, necessarily direct relationship between mm-hmm. those things but as I progressed through my career and I saw the necessity yeah. of you know business has to see it it can't just be a moral imperative mm-hmm. because if moral imperative did the trick people wouldn't speed that's right you know they wouldn't mm-hmm. they wouldn't do some of the things that we mm-hmm. do we're human beings we make mistakes mm-hmm. we wouldn't be texting and driving so that's that's you at the expo this week yes that's wonderful you mentioned the safety training ninja did I get that right yes you're right have written a book. Yes. Tell tell the audience about the book. Should be out before the end of the year. Published okay. by the American Society of Safety Professionals. Wow. And, uh, and yeah. this title is Safety Training Ninja. Excellent. I know. Not too tough to remember. And so, how will people find it? Uh, they'll be able to go onto ASSP's website, or if you follow me on social media, I will be talking about it constantly. Okay. Uh, but um, the idea is is that there are very few, or almost no, and certainly not current safety training books for safety professionals right. out there. And if you're hearing this podcast or if you have ever seen me teach, you'll hear me in the Mm -hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Because it's just me talking, mm-hmm. and I just happen to be typing mm-hmm. instead of having it filmed or something. Do like you have that. an audio version of this book coming? 
because that'll be fun too. <laughs> I know I should do that. That's I, next. I should, you know, yeah. I'm yeah. Like, oh, learning about podcasts. This is good. I should probably just do a few because yeah. just just the stories alone. Mm-hmm. So lots of stories infused. Yeah. Utilizing um, the classic uh, Addy instructional design system, mm-hmm. so that you know, which is a process. The safety mm-hmm. people get processes. Mm-hmm. So you know, teach them instructional design process. Yeah. Go through it and then show how it makes sense Wonderful. in the safety world with safety examples. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's what it's. The, mm-hmm. the book is specifically designed for that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm hopeful that uh, you know it'll help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's waiting. You know, everyone keeps asking, when does it when get does published? It come out? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So people can find you on LinkedIn, Regina Definitely. McMichael, and the Learning Factory, yes. and then the Safety Training Ninja. Yep. Those are all keywords people can search for Definitely. to find you. That's awesome. And then ReginaMcMichael.com. Okay. Yep. So that's okay. my that's my speaker website where I actually uh, do a lot of keynoting mm-hmm. and um, work with large organizations, mm-hmm. small organizations, mm-hmm. trade associations, and uh, talk about my journey in the profession and hopefully yeah. help their people. Right. And uh, so that's hmm. that's that's out there as well. Yeah. So what's next for you after this? Besides, like breathing for a moment, <laughs> where where are you off to next? Like, what's your next speaking gig? Uh, so my next speaking gig is at a group of chemical engineers. Okay. I've had a busy three weeks. Right. I was okay. Just in Alaska at their uh, their state program for ASSP. Okay. Wow. In Hawaii right before that. Whoa. Yeah, it's been a nice gig. You went from hot to cold. You kind of saw it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> and excellent. Houston. And now Houston. So yeah, a little crazy. Although it's very chilly here today, mm-hmm. so it does feel kind of kind of mm-hmm. rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, so the next gig um, is is Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll actually get to see family because back uh, that's where I was that's yeah. where I was living yeah. uh, way back when. And then uh, things tend to get a little quiet around December, which is good. I'll be able to work yes. on some actual. Work. That's good. And your book's going to be coming out. Yeah, that's excellent. And that's then, excellent. Yeah, and things blow up. In, yeah, uh, blow up in January. Yeah. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. I, I that really is so that is so fun, and I'm sure people are listening. They're they're searching things that you've said and they're looking forward to the book as am I as am I thank you to everyone for listening today and thanks for the work that you do to send your workers home including your temporary workers safely at the end of every day if you'd like to listen to more of our podcast episodes you can search for us the accidental safety pro at the podcast player of your choosing and if you'd like to send us a question you can do that uh, by emailing social at vividlearningsystems.com until next time thank you for joining me